The Renegade Aviator, David Costa. Oh, oh, update and we're done. Two soldiers, five. We are the airfield and airspace. You are clear for takeoff. Have a good one. Thanks, Mo. Clear for takeoff. Check your bucket brake off. Check your trim set. Check your nozzle steering on. Maneuver. Damn it, half school face. Left turn out. That's what I'm up. Outflips now. In the air and on air, the Renegade Aviator combines jet airshow performances and this radio show to promote aviation, excellence, overcoming obstacles, and achieving goals. Here he is, the Renegade Aviator, David Costa. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is David Costa, the Renegade Aviator. Each and every week we're talking air shows, right? Why do we talk air shows? We talk air shows because they're excellence demonstrated. That's why we talk air shows. We talk about air shows because we love our passion, right? Everybody's got to have a passion, and my passion happens to be aviation. But like I tell you each and every week, what's your passion? What gets you up in the morning? Why do you do what you do? And a big part of why I'm so stoked about air shows and why we're doing such a focus now that a lot of air shows have been shut down is because your dream may not be aviation. But when people come out to air shows, when people come out and see these events, they look up into the sky or they walk up to that pilot or that aircraft owner on the ground and they see possibilities. So it gives them that confidence to go after their passion. So we've got a great guest this week as we do each and every week. But before I get into that, I want to remind you to go to my webpage, renegadeav8r.com, renegadeaviator.com, and click Click on our world record link, because while the air shows are dark, except for the one I'm going to talk about today, while the air shows are dark, we're not sitting around either. We're going after some world records in our TS-11 Iskra jet. We're going to go faster, further, and higher. We're going to take an airplane that's over a half century old, go after records that have stood for over a half century with a pilot slightly more than a half century old himself. And we're going to do something different. We're going to get the young generation involved. That's a big key with these aviation events that we're going to talk about today. We're going to get the young generation involved, young adults between 18 and 30, whether you're in engineering or you're in aviation technology, anything having to do with aircraft, you are going to design the changes. You are going to help us test those things. And so go to my website, Renegade Aviation com and find out more. Click on the world record links. Well, today, ladies and gentlemen, I've got two gentlemen from the Texas Aviation Academy, Jeremy Riley and Hunter Riley from the Texas Aviation Academy. Why am I talking to the Texas Aviation Academy? Two reasons. Number one, they do things in an outstanding fashion. They've got really cool aspects to their Aviation Academy. And the second reason is the third annual July 4th fly-in. That's right. Food, fun, music, and warbirds, man. You can't get any better than that. Jeremy and Hunter, welcome to the Renegade Aviator Radio show. Hi there. Glad to be here. Howdy. 
When you think of Texas Aviation Academy, if you wouldn't mind, obviously this sounds like a family affair and a father-son organization, so I love that kind of stuff. That's aviation. Tell us a little bit about how you got started and what has brought us to the Texas Aviation Academy. Well, Texas Aviation Academy is a business that we uh, purchased two years ago. It's actually our third, this fly-in will be our two-year anniversary, but it's our third anniversary fly-in because the first day we bought the school, what a better way to kick it off on July 4th than to have a fly-in. So our very first day in business, we had a fly-in. The school was kind of a failing dark business before, and it was uh, affiliated with Liberty University, which was where my son Hunter here graduated from residentially. And uh, being very passionate about pilot training, I saw a great opportunity to here in Central Texas to, to be able to start creating pilots. We're very passionate about if we're not producing the next batch of aviators, the whole aviation industry is suffering because of it. So it's been kind of our mission statement to uh, try to share aviation in any way possible that we can do. That's outstanding. You said you're affiliated with Liberty University. So the fact that it has Liberty in the name of its university, I love it. How does that affiliation work with your flight school and with the university? Yeah, absolutely. Essentially, we partner with Liberty University. So that way, students can come to us. They'll do their college classes online, and they come to us to do their hands-on flight training. It's kind of a, a new way of saving a bunch of money Rather than going to a traditional school where you sit down in a classroom, they can do their classes online, come do their flight training through us, and we partner with each other so that way uh, students can get a bachelor of science degree and get all of their flight ratings knocked out. A student that goes to Texas Aviation Academy, it looks like from your website, you've got a couple of different aspects, and I like all of them. So I see kind of a professional pilot track, and then I see what I'd like to call, you may correct me, the aviator track. you got cool airplanes built in with the standard type of trainer that you'd see everywhere else, but you've got kind of a cool factor there. Maybe explain for everybody a little bit about that. We're a very diversified flight school. Some schools just want to be a path to the airlines. We have plenty of students that are on that path. And so we train everything from Grandpa wanting to get his license so he can buy a 172 and go visit the grandkids to 15, 16-year-olds that just want to learn to fly to the guy that wants a career in the airline. We also were the first school since World War II to train active duty pilots for the U.S. military, and we have a very good relationship with the United States Air Force and have done some experimental programs with them and had great success And as a way to spearhead and jumpstart Air Force pilots training. We do their private pilot and instrument training, and then they go to their training class with the Air Force as a way to try to reduce the bottleneck in their training. And so we do everything from tailwheel training in our L-Birds and our Ronk L-16 to uh, career path ATP training. It's something that we're missing out there. I mean, I know I see it. I operate corporate jets. I fly Lear jets and all kinds of other stuff. And um, you hand over those flight controls to a lot of pilots today, and the stick and rudder skills of uh, are lacking. I asked one of my FOs not too long ago, 
we were on final going into Las Vegas, and all we had to do was a 360 turn to the left and re-intercept and land on a beautiful, clear day. And the first place my first officer looked is down at his flight director, and I came unglued. So sounds like you are of the mindset we need aviators, not just pilots. Absolutely. Our mission statement here from day one is we are not in this business to produce pilots. Our goal and passion is to create aviators, and there's a big difference. In my opinion, a pilot is someone that operates a vessel from point A to point B. That could be any type of vessel. An aviator is one who takes a craft to the sky with skill and passion, and that's what we are trying to instill in our students here. We hear stories and we get instructors and students from other schools that are big pilot mills, and all they're trying to do is stamp out ratings, and we're not that way. I want to know that when we send a student out of this school that I would feel comfortable putting my wife or my son or my friends in an airplane with them and comfortably and capably flying them wherever they needed to go. We've gone into this under the guise of a pilot shortage, which as uh, I'm sure you mentor far more young pilots or young aviators than I do. But there was an attitude not too long ago that, oh, you know, I can breathe and get hired by somebody, company X or company Y. And I used to warn a lot of the newer pilots that said, look, those of us who have been around aviation long enough, remember that the market comes up and down and this is an industry, this is a business. So have your good stick and rudder skills, have that proper attitude, have that passion, have that ability to provide value back and don't be so cocky because aviation is a great industry, but contrary to all the automation out there, skills are still required. Yeah. One thing that I've seen a difference in the aviation community, exactly what you're talking about, is real easy. New Braunfels Airport, where we're based out here at KBAS, is a very busy airport. And I've told people around us, I said, watch our flight instructors and watch our students. When an airplane goes to take off, if they're not looking at that airplane while it's rolling down the runway, they're probably looking at aviation as a career only. And are, we're trying to instill that passion of aviation into them. And there used to be when a guy was at the airport, if a baron was cranking down the runway, somebody was going to turn their head and look and say, what was that? But I see a lot of people these days coming in that really uh, could care less about what's rolling down the runway. And what you're talking about, stick and butter skills, we have a friend that works at a company who does simulator recurrent and type training for jets, says it's real easy to see the guy that was a tailwheel pilot when you do that uh, engine cut on takeoff on the jet to see who can keep it going straight down the runway. Stomp on the rudder. Ladies and gentlemen, as you're listening, make sure you go to TexasAviationAcademy.com. There's Texas Aviation Academy on Facebook. And as you scroll through, you're absolutely right, that passion, right? So I go through and I see all your social media posts, and there's always something cool in the background. There's maybe an old BT-13 or a Stearman or a T-28. And I've even looked at Piper Tomahawks flying in formation. There's just some cool stuff that you're absolutely right is missing today from that local airport. I tell people, man, go out and support your local airports. Go out there and ask questions. Go out there and shake people's hands. You know, of course, today you got to stay six feet apart and wear a mask. Not this guy, but any event. (laughs) That spark. I think you hit it. I really appreciate that. If all this is as an industry, it's going to be automated and it's going to be, uh, I don't know, we're here at this kind of a critical path right now, I think, but maybe that's just me. It sounds 
sounds like you guys are on a similar track. Yes, sir. Now, getting back to the grassroots of aviation, it's uh, aviation has kind of made a turn towards corporate America style lifestyle in aviation, and we we wanted to get back to the grassroots. You mentioned Piper Tomahawks. We've had people that come in that said, "Wow, you have to have a 172 as a trainer," and so. When we were looking at aircraft shortages before the coronavirus, we were unable to get new aircraft from Cessna because of the demand for them. And I just kind of had some soul searching and realized, you know, I learned to fly in 150s and Tomahawks and worked good 25 years ago. Why can't we do that now? And so we try to get the aviation training side back to the basics as much as we can. We try to instill in the students and, and even our new instructors about a lot of the sides of aviation that I think other schools are probably lacking in, just in what you can go do. Get in the airplane and go get a $100 hamburger. Take the student and go fly somewhere for lunch. Think outside of the box when it comes to this. At the end of the day, if we're keeping within the FARs, we're staying legal and we're staying safe, the next most important thing is to make this fun and obtainable. And that's what we've been trying to do for the last two years. In the last two years, we've done, uh, I think it was 11,000 hours of pilot training and over 100 check rides. And last year, I think we did over 80 check rides. Uh, the first year we bought the business, it was kind of, we were getting our feet wet and slowly learning. And we're not showing any signs of slowing down either. And it is amazing. I'm looking at one of your tailwheel endorsement specials, right? So <laughs> I soloed it in the old 7AC champ. So to have a champ with the stars and bars on the tail, you can be a very new pilot and fly a quote unquote warbird, right? When we go to an air show, we see the warbirds, we see the cool stuff, we see the military stuff, and that's such a spark. And then the average person walks into a flight school and you're right you hit the nail on the head it's like corporate america here study all this do these check these boxes but all of a sudden that hey let's go out and look at some airplanes hey let's go out and sit on the porch and watch airplanes take off and land and maybe do a barbecue that kind of brings me into your fly-in because you guys are stepping up and stepping up big time with this coronavirus you know and we all kind of roll our eyes in the background so what kind of challenges have you had to overcome to get there this year? Some, a lot, a little, or none? With the coronavirus, none of us really knew what, what was going on in the beginning. We didn't know what to expect. There was a lot of the fear of the unknown. We were so busy and so slammed with work. Originally, the city of New Braunfels came out, and our airport manager said, hey, you know, they're probably going to do this social distancing, sheltering at home. And so they were basically telling us, be prepared that, we need to shut down. And the neighboring flight school said they were shutting down because of the coronavirus. And we thought, well, you know, this is bad, but we could really use a week. We could really use a week off. We work seven days a week, 15, 16, 17 hours a day. And so the idea of a week off was quite appealing. No one thought it was going to go this far. But as I said earlier, that we are training active duty pilots for the U.S. Air Force. When we inquired with them about, hey, this is a possibility of slowing their training dates down, we got a letter from some high-ranking Air Force people that said, we're essential and don't stop training for anything. If we have any problems, to let them know. And so we realized then, well, we're not getting a week off, and it's business as usual. And so we've taken steps of doing a lot of uh, extra cleaning and disinfecting and trying to stay ahead of the game. But... I think really we finally kind of got 
I hate to say we got fed up with it, but we're just trying to live our lives, not necessarily like if it never happened, but at the end of the day, our main job is to create aviators for the aviation industry and for the world. And the aviation business is hard enough. If anybody that's ever been in it knows that there's nothing easy about it. And and so this has just been one more hurdle. And, and I think part of the philosophy at Texas Aviation Academy is, and why we've been very successful, is the ability to shift, overcome, adapt, move forward when there's a problem or an issue. So every day in this business is a problem-solving day. From the minute we get here, not long after the sun comes up to 10, 30, 11, 12 o'clock at night, all we do, often our job consists of solving problems. What problem is here in front of us right now? What do we need to do to overcome and adapt and, and keep everything moving forward? So But the coronavirus was definitely a big hurdle to jump over. But the other side of it, we were able to get a brand new 2020 Skyhawk from the factory because guess what? A lot of flight schools are going out of business. A lot of flight schools were affected by this and closing down and didn't take delivery. So for almost two years, we were begging to get a new airplane. We were able to get a 2020 Skyhawk. The other thing is a lot of people were at home. And when word got out that we were uh, deemed essential and we were here training, Well, after about two weeks of people being bored, sitting at home, looking at their significant other, they realized they could come here and do their pilot training. And so we never really slowed down through all of this. And as far as the flying goes, the majority of all the people that I've talked to are extremely excited about a new social activity uh, that they can come out to. So I've had personally a very large response of positivity to people coming out to our event. We have had some people that either had to cancel on us or uh, showed a lack of interest due to it. But I would say uh, because of it, we've actually were able to get more people, sounds like, uh, confirmed for this year to come out to the uh, 4th of July fly-in. And so this is open to the public. I want to state the obvious, I guess, but anybody near KBAS, near your airport, can come on out. And what are they going to see when they come out to your fly-in? People from all over the country are flying in. So it's not just here locally. Excellent. We have a T-28 coming in from Kansas. We have uh, another airplane coming in from Missouri. We've heard planes coming in Florida. So uh, we have a plane coming in from uh, Michigan. We have planes coming in all over for this. And so with the diversity that we have in the Warbird community, a lot of people are just in kind of the one group or the other. We have such a variety. We have friends in all of the different groups. And so there's going to be a variety of everything from a P-51 Mustang to uh, L-Birds coming. And having a BT-13, we don't know the exact numbers. I've been told that somewhere around 25 to 30 BT-13s flying in the country and about 40 or less in the world that are actually airworthy and flying. We have uh, 10 BT-13s confirmed coming. We have ours, and we already have our first arrival of one here. One of our friends that we go together, the two-ship a lot, we already have it here in our hangar. And we're going to have a BT-14 Yale, which I think there's only four or five of those flying anywhere in the world. And so uh, T-28A model, there's not very many A models, and we have two or three of those confirmed coming already. Wow. And the great thing about a fly-in is you never know what is going to fly in and come. So we have people confirmed. We've been trying to get a head count so we can get our ramp space uh, parked out. But with a fly-in like this, you never know when some guy in a Corsair is just going to come flying in because he thought it would be cool to come for the day. That's excellent. I commend you for having this because... uh it's time that we need to uh, stand up again. We are Americans, aviation, although it's worldwide, Americans, 
and fly-ins and events like this are a truly American thing. So uh, thanks for doing all that. And the Warbirds, we're talking a little bit off air and you're maybe looking into doing some Warbird training. Back years and years ago, somebody gave me an opportunity to fly their T6 and I had minimum experience. It was one of these self-taught things. And the more I flew it, the more I realized that I needed to fly with experienced instructors in the T6. But, you know, where else can you go today? Number one, see them, but then number two, get some training in these tailwheel and warbird aircraft. Are you seeing a big interest in that type of uh, business? So we kind of started putting the feelers out and uh, started to try to see what the market would be like. At first, I was uh, not very optimistic that there would be a large percent of people interested in it. But what I'm quickly finding out is that uh, there's a bunch of people that are interested in uh, Warbird training. Uh, So we're excited to get that started. Like you said, there's not a whole lot of places that are offering anything like that. And so it might not necessarily be that a person is wanting to fly air shows like we do or fly warbirds. It might just be a bucket list thing. The pilot says, you know, I've always wanted to fly one of those cool old classic airplanes. And so we'll be able to do everything from tease you a little bit with a flight to full-blown checkout to where at the end of the day, you're going to be a confident pilot in that platform. Yeah, I can remember many a hot summer day. I uh, paid for my T6 doing 10-minute rides in T6s. That that got me really good at landings and takeoffs, and nobody ever walked away without a smile. But So there is a lot of people who want to fly it. Even pro pilots would come up, and they said they wanted to get a checkout, so we check them out in it. But it was really just, if you have a place, heck, I'll come out there too. (laughs) It's just to fly in those things again is just really, really fun. So I congratulate you on that. you guys been in business and other ventures and other things? It sounds like uh, you've been an entrepreneurial type of family. Well, I grew up in Harlingen, Texas. My main residence is in Harlingen. I grew up two miles away from the Harlingen airport. I was born in 1970. And so As a kid growing up, I was kind of in the heyday of the Confederate Air Force. That was probably one of the groups between them and the ag pilots and the smuggler pilots down on the border in that time. They're the ones that influenced me into aviation, but I never really had anybody ever mentor me. I was always told you can do whatever you want to do, and everybody thought I was nuts because I was infatuated with aviation since birth, and so uh, I didn't start off in an aviation career. I've had a landscaping business for almost 25 years in South Texas. We own a a shooting range, do firearms training. I also have a hunting business and take people to Africa hunting. And so I think I've always been blessed to uh, find ways to finance expensive hobbies. And so my aviation background was uh, being an airplane nut. And some people say that I'm compulsive about airplanes as I got into buying and selling airplanes. And so I would buy an airplane, fix it up a little bit play with it for a little while and turn around and sell it. And I saw that, especially down on the border in South Texas, if somebody gets a pilot's license down there like I did and Hunter did, you really have to want it really bad and work really hard at it because there was just a lack of people doing good quality training. And so it became another way to, with this business, it was not necessarily a way to finance an expensive hobby. It was just such a need for it. And it was a failing business. I didn't want to see it fail, and I wanted to see it still uh, succeed. And so I guess you could say that I've been called an optimist, an extreme optimist. I see the good in everything. And some people are tell me, well, what if this? What if the insurance cost is a lot? What if this? And I'm the kind of person that says, you know, 
what if next year we do 10,000 hours of training in one year? What if next year we produce 200 new pilots next year? That's the kind of attitude I've had. And uh, entrepreneurial skills, it beats flipping burgers. And at an early age, I realized that in this life, you can uh, make it however you want to be. And I tell people that by any means am I getting rich, because that's not true, because you can't really do that in the aviation industry or a bunch of other industries. But at the end of the day, it's extremely rewarding, and I'm having a whole lot of fun doing it. That's so powerful what you're saying, because it goes back to we talk to young people, we talk to old people, and you can look at them and say, what do you want to do? What is it that you're passionate about? Where are you going? What's your goal? And you get a lot of blank stares. And there are people who doom and gloom, woe is me, obstacles. And there's people that say, I'm blessed. I'm grateful. I'm here to help. I'm here to provide value. And it's a choice, is it not? I'm sure you weren't hatched with uh, amazing skills out of birth. You were given opportunities and you simply decided, right? Am I missing something? No, I barely made it out of high school. My uh, teachers in high school said the only reason why they graduated me was because they did not want to see my smiling face ever again. (laughs) And so I tell people that I didn't go to college like Hunter did. I went to the school of hard knocks and I got a master's degree in trial and error with a real heavy on the error part. And so it's just having that leap of faith. At the end of the day, do I want to go to my grave knowing that all I did is I sat on the couch and watched a lousy football game or what did I do with my life? And being passionate for aviation, we only go around on this big rock once. And so I'm trying to make the most out of uh, every day I can doing this and sharing with other people. It's uh, On the Warbird side, I, at a Warbird Owners and Operators Conference uh, a couple of years ago, I was told a phrase about the Warbird side that even though we have a whole bunch of Warbirds here, We really do not own them. We are just stewards. We are caretakers of them for this generation. And it's our job to preserve, ensure, and to share so that these things will be shared on long after we're gone. And that really struck home with me. And so, yeah, we own warbirds and we have to pay taxes and rent and annuals and all that on it. But at the end of the day, I want to know that somewhere out there, there was a little kid that came out and saw our T-28 go do a high-speed pass down the runway and said, someday I want to do that. And that long after I'm gone, that T-28 is still flying, still inspiring people to, to get into warbird aviation. That's great to hear. And there's organizations. You mentioned CAF, great bunch of people, your organization. I don't care how much technology changes. You can't appreciate a T-28 flyby on YouTube. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, two very separate things. And it's kind of like Oshkosh, where all this COVID-19 stuff and all of, excuse my French, the BS that has to go with what's going on this year, I can deal with any of that. But the one thing I'm having the hardest difficulty is knowing that I'm not getting my airplane polished up to go to Oshkosh this year. Yeah, that's a shame. That's the biggest bummer, downfall, find ourselves weeping and moaning and saying, you know, this really sucks. Because there's no Oshkosh. The rest of the year we can get over, we can overcome, adapt, move forward, but it's uh, devastating for us not to be able to go see our friends at Oshkosh. So putting together an activity like yours to have your fly-in still happen is that ray of hope. So as I was sitting there this week, we were always looking for uh, guests every week on our show, and I was looking at one of your posts. I'm going, you know what? This is why we need to get you on our show, because doing these events is the first step. I think a lot of times it's easy 
people will sit back and they'll expect somebody else to do this. And I've been telling people, we were on, on the last couple of shows, I was telling folks to go out and write thank you notes to those sponsors of events like Oshkosh and Sun and Fun and the big and small air shows. Go to your local airport, be a volunteer, help out with these events because people have a real short memory. And I'm not a doom and gloom guy either, but the squeaky wheel kind of a thing. If we stand tall, stay together, support these events, it helps those sponsors justify the money it takes to do this because they aren't free. Somebody has to pay somewhere along the line. And it requires fans to keep coming out and seeing this stuff. So uh, again, I'm really thrilled to uh, see this happen. And how do people find out more about your fly-in? Do you have a special site for that or is it on your normal site? Yeah, so most of all of our advertising that we're doing on the fly-in is actually on our Facebook page. I think we might have a little bit on our website, but the majority of the updates of who's coming, who's confirmed, times, sponsors, all of that can be found on our Facebook page. Outstanding. And that's just Texas Aviation Academy on Facebook. So let me change gears a little bit here. So you're seeing this new generation of pilots and you're training them. What does the modern day aviation student look like? And what kind of unique challenges are you seeing in getting the excellence and making them aviators? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of our students have such a diversity here. The modern student, though, there's still that fire, there's still that passion, them coming out. It's a process of instilling that passion and routing it to become a safe aviator while still maintaining that. Are you getting a mix of, I guess, established adults that are going to go on to uh, become the world's most brave pilots in the world. Nothing against the Cirrus SR-22, but (laughs) um, this is a real true story. I landed one day in Reno and it was in a Learjet. I was almost thinking severe turbulence. So if a Learjet is getting severe, it's pretty bumpy out there. And there was a guy walks out again, nothing against the aircraft or this individual, but he's walking out to his brand new aircraft that has a parachute and he's getting ready to jump into this thing and go up to Truckee, California, which isn't a long flight, but it's in the mountains. And I just kind of walked up to him, smiled, said, hey, it was pretty bumpy coming in in that Lear 60. You may want to maybe wait a little bit until the winds die down. Nah, that's okay. I'm not afraid of turbulence. Well, I checked for flight about 10 minutes later and there's like five severe turbulence warnings. But he said to me, he goes, I'm not afraid of turbulence. And I looked him square in the eye and I said, I've been flying since 1979. I am. <laughs> so, but he had an aircraft with a parachute. So why worry? Anyway, I, I kind of diverge off there. But are you seeing more older people that now can afford to fly? Or are you getting kind of an equal mix of the kids going into college and wanting to be professional aviators as a career? I think we've got an even mix, probably leaning more towards the younger side, which is exciting. Most of them are looking for a career in aviation. One thing I always ask our instructors and I ask all the students, I like to get a feel for them. We're like a big family here. Our students become part of our family, all of our instructors and crew here. We joke that we need a reality TV show because of it, because we are like a big dysfunctional family that produces excellent results. But I always ask them, what's your end goal? Why are you here? What do you want to be with this? And the main thing I'm seeing is I want a career in aviation. I want to go to the airlines. Maybe if that doesn't work, corporate. 
We get some people that uh, just want to learn to fly because they're business people and they're uh, middle-aged, they're my age and now can afford it and say, you know what, if I could get from New Braunfels to Dallas in you know, an hour and a half in an airplane, it sure beats a five-hour drive. And so I think our youngest student's probably uh, 14 years old. And we've got them up to, we had a tailwheel guy who was, what, 80-something years old. So it's a pretty wide variety. One challenge that I make to people in the aviation industry is what you're talking about, where rich people keep corporate airplanes. Well, yeah, there is some side of that. But if you take aviation and pilots across the board of all ages, I'd like to put a challenge out to ask them, what have you done for aviation this year? What have you done for aviation in your lifetime? And I hope that it's not, well, I got a rating or I did this or I was able to do this. It was, I did this for somebody else. I gave back. I gave young eagle rides. I inspired people to get into aviation. I inspired people to to get into mechanics. We have a high school kid here who's part of our New Braunfels High School, has an aviation program, a great class now. I'm starting to see high schools around the country starting to put aviation into some of their schools. He started helping us sweep the floors and help polish our shiny airplanes. But he determined that he's got a mechanical ability. And so under the direction of our mechanics, he now has an AMP logbook and is logging everything that he does, helping us. There's a huge pilot shortage, but there's really even a shortage of mechanics. So I asked this question, why is there a pilot shortage? Why is there a shortage of mechanics? And the only answer I can come up with directly is there is not enough people trying to help mentor, encourage, inspire, and get the word out that this is obtainable. Absolutely. And to do that, yeah, we have to give back. Another thing, I can't agree more. We have to mentor. We were mentored. Somebody gave us a nod, and they may not even realize it, but yeah, how are we being of service? Big expensive airplane or tiny little J3 Cub in a hangar, we can be of service to that next generation. And um, the mechanics, yeah, I absolutely agree. A lot of the mechanics I know, they're aging out. And um, I myself got stuck under my instrument panel the other day. I thought I was flexible like I was in my 20s. And was in my hangar by myself and crawled under the front cockpit of my jet. And uh, it took me about an hour to get myself out of there. But <laughs> So we need younger, flexible, but, but people, again, with that passion to get in there and keep these airplanes flying. We always joke about this, but in the motorcycle world and the custom cars and all that, we hear the rumor that there aren't these kids. And I say kids, I say young adults that want to get into these other careers besides being a pilot. And I'm not sure if that's true or not. I just think we haven't shown them the opportunity, maybe because my generation didn't do our job well enough. Who knows? But certainly the generation before us inspired us. So maybe it is. I absolutely agree. Maybe we're not doing enough to inspire. There's nothing we can do about the past. The only thing that we have any control over in this world is the here and now and the present. We have no control over the future. We can plan for it but there's nothing we can do about the past. And so knowing that, that's why I said I make that challenge out. If every pilot out here just gave back and just inspired one person to become involved in aviation, there would be no pilot shortage. There would be no mechanic shortage. Cessna would have to go back to cranking out 500 airplanes a year because there wouldn't be enough to keep up. And that's what I want to see aviation get back to. I don't want aviation to turn into corporate America, doom and gloom, big fences, unobtainable because quite frankly, a lot of people, it is unobtainable because there's no avenue 
to help them give them a roadmap on how to do it. Absolutely. And that's why we're doing this with the world record stuff. We're really trying to get um, these young professionals that are doing structures in composite, doing AMP, their initial AMP training. There's a lot that has to be done on the aircraft to go after that, which is hands-on stuff. There's a place for everyone in aviation. It's really cool. It's really fun. We get to joke around, laugh, point fingers at each other, watch cool airplanes fly. I can't think of a better way to spend a day. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> we spend it every day that way. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You, people say aviation is closed or I didn't have the opportunity to go down there, but somebody, anybody can probably come out to their local airport and your school at the Texas Aviation Academy and can probably take that first step and just take kind of an introductory flight. I tell folks this all the time, go show up and take an introductory flight. Is that available at Texas Aviation? Yeah, absolutely. We call them discovery flights here, and uh, we have two different options. We want to try to get people up as uh, cost-effective as possible. First one is that we do 30 minutes for $99, or we do an hour for $199. The other thing that we really enjoy doing is Hunter here is an Eagle Scout, and I was an assistant scout master and was very much involved with Boy Scouts when he was younger, is we teach quite a few aviation merit badges for different scout troops for the whole troop. Earlier before, uh, I guess it was last fall, we had a scout troop and I gave them the idea. I said, why don't you do a camp out here? And so they came and camped at our hangar and we're here all weekend. We took them flying for free. We're just trying to inspire that next group of aviators. And what you said about aviation being a closed group or a closed industry, if I had my way, we'd bulldoze every fence around every GA airport. I see GA airports are being built up like one of the ones in the valley that we fly at. Just got a new fence. And uh, they're basically making them like a detention center. And the pilots are allowed on one side and the public has to remain on the other side. And and that's part of that grassroots of aviation that I was talking about earlier that I want people to be able to uh, come and just walk up. And if they just want to look at airplanes, please come here. Please come here. New Braunfels Airport is great because we have a fence, but there's gaps in the fence where cars can drive through. And I don't encourage people to drive out on our airport, but it's a very inviting environment. I couldn't agree more with that. We've gone overboard under the guise, we see history repeating itself, right? Under the guise of safety. Well, aviation is about managing risk and aviation is about passion. And I couldn't agree more. The fences have done more harm to aviation and that local airport, which is an asset to that community. It's not a place where rich people house expensive corporate jets. It's a place where you and I and everybody in between, no matter who you were in the old days, and the old days are back in the 80s, back in the 90s are still the old days where you could ride around and look. It was kind of fun to go to the airport in those days, and you could wave and invite people in your hangar and show them what you had. It made you feel good. It inspired people. We were middle class, but we didn't have a lot of extra stuff. And my dad was a pilot, but when he couldn't afford to fly, he could drive me to the airport. And today we don't see that anymore. So I, mean, I just can't agree enough. It's great. You're going to get strip search going on to any commercial flight, but those local airports are just a gem. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap. Texas Aviation Academy, Jeremy Riley and Hunter Riley. And don't forget the 4th of July out at KBAZ Airport. Go to their website. Jeremy, 
How can the people find out more information about you and what you're doing? Yeah, so uh, first of all, thank you so much for having us on the show, and uh, thank you for all the listeners out there. Uh, For those who are interested, uh, go to our Facebook page, Texas Aviation Academy, to see all of our upcoming events, whether it's Fourth of July, Living Legends Night, or just the other people who have soloed here or getting their license. Also, we have our uh, website, TexasAviationAcademy.com, or you can reach out to us personally uh, via phone number. That's 830-629-2110. And uh, again, thank you so much for having us. Uh, We really appreciate it. Thanks for having us on this great program. It's uh, guys like yourself that are doing what they can to help promote this uh, wonderful world of aviation. Just want to tell all your listeners, uh, God bless America. Stay strong. Stay safe. Fly safe, fly often, and give back to the aviation community. And we hope to see you all on the 4th of July or sometime soon if you can't make it. That's outstanding, Jeremy and Hunter. God bless to you as well. God bless America. And uh, thanks again. Great. All right. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, David Costa, Renegade Aviator. Great show again. And thank you, Texas Aviation Academy, for joining me today. So here's my question to you. Are you going to take our advice? Are you going to get out and support our air shows and our local airports? And will you take the challenge given by Jeremy Riley of Texas Aviation Academy? Will you help one person? If you're a pilot listening or anybody involved in aerospace, please mentor and inspire a future pilot, a future AMP mechanic a future aerospace professional. And if you're doing anything that you're passionate about, the challenge still stands. Inspire and help just one person. Imagine what kind of world this would be if we did stuff like that. Right now, all I ask is that you go to Facebook, renegadeaviator.com or any of my other social media, and join my mailing list. Because when you join my mailing list, I can stay in touch with you all during the week. I can keep you informed as to what we're doing because stuff is changing here rapidly and we're doing a lot of neat stuff like the world record, the air show stuff. And look, it's simple and you have my word on this. I'm not going to give or sell your private information to anybody. So go to renegadeaviator.com. Go to my Facebook page, Renegade Aviator, and just sign up for my mailing list. It costs you absolutely nothing, and you're going to get benefits from it. World record update, guys. July 1st, new updates are coming for our fans. We're going to start doing some video updates as we get this thing going, as we kick this thing off. So make sure that you sign up for my mailing list because that's the only way you're going to get this information unless you're already part of our team. And that takes me into the next segment. If you're a school, a trade school, a university involved in aviation or aerospace or any of the trades, fabrication, welders, mechanics, we would welcome your involvement. And it doesn't cost you a thing. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you can get involved. You can get involved if you're interested in STEM, if you're a student or if you're a teacher, if you're just a fan. If you're one of the STEM professionals that's going to be the hands-on group that we're looking for, 18 to 30, 
Again, sign up on our mailing list if you want to be a mentor. I've gotten flooded with mentors, and that is really, really cool. So that's a we're on our way. And hands-on fabricators. We're going to be making stuff for these jets that we're going to go break world records with. So I need people that can fabricate. And of course, we need donors and supporters and sponsors. And they all have a unique role, but we need them all. If you go to renegadeaviator.com, Go to my world record page. Just click the link for world records. You can be taken to my GoFundMe page and look any kind of thing you want to do to help us achieve these great things we're doing is absolutely appreciated. So go to renegadeaviator.com world records back on this world record stuff. There's an opportunity here as I said, to get involved in any number of ways. But there's a chance to be that fly on the wall if you're one of our fans. If you just want to be listening in, if you're a STEM student, educator, you're going to be able to get inside our planning, our strategy, and our tactical activities that are going to bring these world records to fruition. So you can get involved with that. And you STEM professionals, you young professionals, 18 to 30, there's a lot we're doing where we're going to break this project down into little bits that you can get involved in some of these projects and actually work on this. So my envisionment of this whole thing is a great community, a socially distant community. And at times we're not going to be socially distant. We're going to be up close and personal, but there is a lot of work that's going to be done remotely and it's going to be done via Zoom meeting, and it's going to be done in ways that you can participate either as an audience to what's going on. And I'll tell you what, you kids that are under 18, you're going to get a lot out of this. You're going to listen to the young professionals plan, develop, and execute these strategies. Really cool stuff. And I can't say enough about sponsors. We need you. So any company that's listening right now, we can help you when you help us. So there's a lot of stuff we can do together. Anyway, renegadeaviator.com, world record link. Go there. All right. Now I promised you something fun. TexasAviationAcademy.com. Remember, before we go, third annual July 4th fly-in. Food, fun, music, and warbirds, man. That is really cool stuff. Kudos to those guys out there for putting this together and doing this. And so if you're listening and you know of a local air show that is a go in 2020, contact me at my website, RenegadeAviator.com. Contact me there. Every page has a little link. You can click and actually talk into your computer and leave me a message. Wonderful thing. But I will give that group, that event, a shout out on this podcast, on this radio show. Thanks again, Jeremy and Hunter Riley, for training aviators, not just pilots, aviators with skill and passion. We need that. I couldn't argue with that at all. I agree 100%. Aviators have skill and passion. In the meantime, this is David Costa in the air with my TS-11 Iskra jet on the air with you each week. And if you join my crew, stay tuned. Your extended top secret insider stuff is coming up next. I am the Renegade Aviator. See ya. 